This is loudspeaker. Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Today, I speak Davis, dream development coach, transformational speaker, documentary filmmaker, podcast host, and founder of the Dream Diver Company, whose mission is to help aspiring and thriving pioneers, visionaries, and world changers discover their purpose and dive for their most audacious dreams. All right, so I am super excited to introduce Ira Davis, and he is one of my connections here on Clubhouse. I've been lucky to and blessed to be able to meet so many interesting people on Clubhouse, and I'm so excited to introduce my listeners to you, Ira. So, you know, thank you for joining me, first of all, and I want you to start off telling my listeners a little bit more about who you are. Where did you, where did you grow up? Where are you up to like where you are right now? Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. And to all the, you know, Connecting a Better World podcast listeners, I am so excited to be here with you today. Uh, listen, so I grew up, uh, born originally in Brooklyn, New York. Um, didn't live there long. Had a, my birth mom was on drugs and my dad eventually had to come in and take us from her to raise us so we could have a better life lifestyle. Uh, we ultimately moved to South Carolina for a little bit, Charleston, Somerville area. And then we ultimately landed in uh, Glen Allen, Richmond, Virginia. And, you know, my dad remarried and I had, you know, older brother, younger sister and uh, joined the Marine Corps at a young age. And now I'm out here in lovely, sunny Southern California. Awesome. I love California. So um, how did you get out to California? What brought you out there? Yeah. So at 18, I joined the Marine Corps uh, right out of high school and right after boot camp, right after my job training school. My first duty station was in Camp Pendleton uh, here in uh, Oceanside, California. And I just never left. I got, you know, I met my wife and friends for life here. And I was like, where, where else is there to go? Right. And so uh, I've been here ever since uh, uh, 2005. I've been here uh, in California. That's a bummer. I was going to say, because I left in about 2005. So wouldn't that oh. be really cool? I know I love California. So I go back for cool to, yeah. to hang out at some point. So, um, yeah. so tell me a little bit more, you know, you're doing good in this world and, um, tell me a little bit more about if you had a role model or somebody that you looked up to, to have, you know, something about you that wanted to just give back to others. Yeah, that is a great question. A question I've never been asked, but you know, I, I, I look up to really, um, really three people in my life. Number one is I'm, I'm a man of faith. So Jesus is number one, right? I, I, I try to live my life pattern after, uh, you know, one of the greatest metrics of, of his life, which is unconditional love. Uh, and so number two and three is my mother and my father, um, who I both saw work tooth and nail to give myself and my siblings and I a life that we couldn't even have imagined based on how we started. And so, you know, I watched my father, 
doesn't he doesn't have a college degree, but every job he worked, he started off at the bottom and worked his way to executive leadership, uh, six figures a year with no degree still in 2021. Uh, my mom, I, I saw her go, my, my stepmom, I saw her go from uh, being a stay-at-home mom to having two master's degrees and a PhD in education. And um, and so just watching my parents and, uh, you know, the, the head of my faith, um, distribute work ethic, love, faith, and unconditional compassion for people uh, just really got deep down into my DNA. And so uh, I come from that cloth. Yeah, I love the the work ethic as well. You know, was there something that you witnessed or was there something that you saw that allowed you to just think, wow, you know, I want to actually help other people, right? Was it something at a young age? Was it something as you grew up in the Marines? You know, the Marines already is, you know, a huge surface, right? But when you got out of the Marines, was it something that you saw somebody either um, or you were happened to be in the right place in the right time? You know, there's this heart yeah. for service, right? And, and where do you think yeah. that came from? Yeah, really, you know, at a young age, you know, I was a middle child, right? And so, for me, I always felt purpose lost, not purposeless. Like when I closed my eyes or when I would daydream, uh, Natalie, I, I could see myself doing something great with my life. But when I opened my eyes or when I snapped back to right, everything that happened around me or that happened to me or that happened as a result of me was average or below average. So what I saw in my head, what, in my, what I felt in my heart didn't match what my life looked like. And so I joined the Marine Corps because I love to lead. I love to inspire and so I, I joined the Corps um, and I was about 20 percent fulfilled and about 80 percent miserable um, because I love to lead and to inspire. But I really wasn't there to kill, to shoot, to go hiking, to go right, to do all those other things. And so, you know, but I stayed stuck because of the prestige of the job, the security of the job. Right. And for your listeners, I'm, I'm sure I'm touching somebody's heart right now. Right. You stayed there because it was safe, secure and prestigious. Uh, and uh, when I got, you know, literally forced out of the Marine Corps, you know, my time as a drone instructor, I was a drone instructor. So I made Marines and kind of my career started crumbling and I literally got pushed into purpose. Right. I knew I was born to do something greater. But if I hadn't have gotten pushed into purpose and out of my comfort zone, Natalie, I'd still be a Marine four years away from retirement, um, being stuck, comfortable, being miserable, knowing that there was more for my life. And so. When my career abruptly came to a halt in 2014, uh, literally the Marine Corps gave me three months to pack my bags and my family of four, uh, and we had to roll out. I had no money, no savings, no I had nothing. And uh, for me, I went to go see a therapist on base, and knowing that I had nothing to fall back on, knowing that the Marine Corps literally was paying me to be live a camouflaged life, no pun intended, right? Literally getting paid to be stuck and miserable. Um, God was pulling my camouflage. And so I went to go see a therapist. Depression set in. And I sat on his couch, Natalie, and I literally cried my eyes out. And I said, Doc, I need you to help me. I said, man, I'm a wife. Excuse me, I got a wife and, and two small kids. I'm a grown man. Don't know what I was born to do. But I have to figure out a way to take care of my family and provide. I said, but I can't leave the Marine Corps and just be another number in somebody else's machine. Like I know in my heart of hearts, and I was put here to do something greater. And we talked, Natalie, and he came back to me at the end of the week and he said, listen, Sergeant Davis, I've listened to you. This is my personal, professional opinion that you will put on this earth to inspire people down to their bones to go after their dreams. 
And for the first time in my life, epiphany light bulbs just started going off everywhere. What I realized over, you know, a series of, of, of events and incidents is that I was the person that I always needed in my own life to show me that there was purpose in me, that there was something audacious in me, and that what I overlooked in my own life was something that the world would one day respond to in a major, major way. And I had discounted and discredited myself for so long because I didn't have tangible expressions of greatness. And so literally that's how I figured out um, how I was supposed to be contributing and giving back and doing great for the world by literally recognizing who I was and who I was not. Uh, so hopefully that answers the question. Wow, that's incredible. So do you think that it came gradually or like when you talk about this epiphany moment, right? And you were lying on that couch and did it take a, a, a while for you to do that? Or was it just literally like a light bulb? And all of a sudden you knew what that purpose was that even though you were in the military, right? And and this is what you did. It didn't define you, right? And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. did it come gradually after that and, and build on that? Or did you literally have that light bulb moment? Yeah, I had a light bulb moment, but it still was gradual, right? Light bulb came on, but it takes you a while to walk into the room. I'm going to say that again, right? The light bulb comes on, but then you have to walk into the room and you have to look around, right? And so at 28 years old, when the light bulb first came on, it was as if I went from being colorblind to being able to see color for the first time. It was like a horse, you know, who has the was it the, the, the blinders on um, and all of that kind of faded away. And I was able to finally uh, recognize who I was like. Hi, Ira. Nice to meet you. I'm Ira. Right. And so I had this moment, this, this, these months and these years where I had to be reintroduced to me and gradually what I began to discover about myself and my assignment and my purpose and my calling. Um, it came as a result of spending time with me, it came as a result of spending time with the creator, right? I'm a man of faith. So spending time with God. And so it came as a result of, 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 shutting out the noise around me, mm-hmm. spending some time in isolation and really going through the steps of really unlocking what was already in me that I had overlooked. And so I don't think it's ever instantaneous. The The, the shift was happening over time. Like all my life, I felt a call to do something greater for the world, right? The epiphany happened in an instant, mm-hmm. but it was a gradual process of becoming what I now was discovering about who I was called to do, what I was called to do for other people. Yeah. And I strongly believe that everything that you go through, there is a lesson that builds on, on to your purpose, right? And so even with your work ethic that you noticed in, in, in your mom and your dad, even um, in the military, do you think that when it was time to now focus on yourself, you took that same, um, I guess it's it, it's like a, it's like that power or that strength, right, to focus um, because you were a drill sergeant. So you knew how to get things done, right? And you knew. Do you think that the military prepared you for what you had, what was coming for you? Yeah, I, I would say it was the Marine Corps. Uh, it was ingrained from my parents first and foremost. Um, but it was really this deep, innate desire in me Um that uh, that really compelled me and convicted me um, to achieve what I was supposed to achieve with my life before my life ended. Um, 
that's really what drove me, Natalie. Right. And I hope hopefully that makes sense. Um, I the, the scariest thing for me is to have my expiration date come on this earth. And I have not done what I was created to do. I would feel like a failure, even though I had a, a beautiful wife and awesome kids and whatever money in the bank, whatever vacation. Yeah, great. But if I go back to heaven and I can't account for the breath that he gave me uh, more than just saying I survived or I passed on a bank account to my kids or I put them through college. If I can't account for my act of service while I'm on this earth, I feel like I would have failed the very breath of my body. So that is the thing above all else that gets me up in the morning and it helps me pursue my audacious dreams like nobody's business. So. Oh, I love that. I have chills all over when you're saying that because that is that is the truth, right? Um, and at 28 years old to experience that and to then to shift your mindset real um, quickly so that you are able to step into this. That's that's incredible. First of all, I have to say, because I can't even remember when I was 28. I probably was not ever thinking like that at <laughs> all. So I have to say props to you on that. I, I, got um, a, I have an old soul. I got an old soul. I got an old soul. <laughs> oh, so let's let's dive in to the Dream Diary Company and and what you did and and what inspired you to create something about the dream well, to, to create something like this and then tell my listeners a little bit more about what the Dream Diary Company is all about. Yeah, I love it. So you know, in that I told you guys I was a Marine Corps drill instructor in about 2010 ish, 2011 ish, right? I made Marines, I uh, broke them down and I rebuilt them and I gave them their dream of becoming the few and the proud. Well, I got a little bit too overzealous, Natalie. Right? I took I took man, you're a maniac to, whoa, you're really crazy. Like I went, I went there. And so I actually got kicked off of that duty, uh, which was the sole reason why I joined the Marine Corps was to become a drill instructor. And I, I messed it up by being a little bit too excited, a little bit too amped up. And I got kicked off that duty. First time I had ever been in trouble in my, in my career. I came back to the regular Marine Corps, the fleet. And I had three years to rebound my career before promotion time came and before my contract was up. And that three years came and went. I, I did everything I was supposed to do. I won all these awards and it came time for promotion. Natalie, and the Marine Corps said, no, thank you. Um, uh, you're not getting promoted and we're not going to extend your contract. You got three months to pack your bags. And so literally in that three months, while headquarters Marine Corps, you know, the, the people who look at your paperwork decided, hey, we're going to, you know, you, you got to get out. My local leaders, Natalie, said, hey, as your battalion commander, battalion sergeant major, We've been in the Marine Corps 30 plus years. We've seen all kinds of Marines and all kinds of leaders. You're the best leader that we've seen at your rank in our 30 years combined of service. Can you do us a favor? Can you put together this corporal's course where you teach our first generation of Marines how to be leaders? Right. So on one hand, I'm getting forced out. On the other hand, they're trying to give me a, you know, an Academy Award for being great. Right. And so I, and there I am in the middle. And so, you know, because I have a, a mentality of leave it better than I found it, you know, I accepted the challenge. Right. Everything is happening in my life. I got to pack my family up. I got to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. But now I'm in charge of this course, right? So I'm up at 2 a.m. in the morning prior to uh, this, this course taking off. And I'm looking on YouTube for some videos to inspire these Marines in the class the next day in the PowerPoint presentation. And I type in motivation. And not, not I had no clue what personal development or self-help was at the time, right? Uh, all these great Phenomenal speakers come up, right? Eric Thomas, Les Brown, John Maxwell, and my mind is blown. But the next video that comes on, Natalie, is the skydiving video. 
And I'm like, YouTube, what kind of algorithm is this? Like, why do we go from this to that? And so, listen, I don't know about you, but not very many people of color skydive, right? And so I'm like, I'm not really interested in this. <laughs> but I sat, I, you know, it's 2 a.m., it's pitch black, everybody sleep. I sat there and I watched this video. And I started getting short of breath like I was in the air with these guys. And so recognizing that I'm having a, you know, a divine encounter, I say, okay, God, what are you saying? And he says, listen, you see skydiving, but I want you to call it dream diving. I'm like, what is that? He's like, listen, most people will never hit the assignment, the call, the dream, the vision for their life. Because you can't hit a target you don't have and a target you can't see. He says that I need people who are willing to get their feet off the ground, go to 13,000 feet and dive head first into the dream that I've called them to. The one that I've spoken to their life and the one that I've shown them in their head and their heart. I need some people who are willing to burn the boats and do the impossible to serve other people with their lives in the area of their purpose. He said, this is your assignment. And I was like, wow. I was like, okay, cool. Now, keep in mind, this is still in that three-month time period, right, where I'm getting forced out of the Marine Corps. 2 a.m. in the morning, and I'm getting this revelation, this epiphany. And then he says, by the way, you have to become a skydiver. And I'm like, Tom, I was just going to say, have you at this point never skydived then? No, no. I'm like, time out. I'm like, okay, God, I love you. You know, we hear, we see eye to eye. But you took it a little bit too far, right? I'm like, I'm terrified of heights. Even to this day, right now in 2021, I would not dive off of my desk. I would not do it. And here's what he said to me that, changed everything. You said, I have too many people talking about analogies that they don't live. You won't be one of them. You said, you're not going to teach dream diving without becoming the example, the tangible example of what it is. You said, your pulpit, your stage, your, your, your megaphone, your lighthouse will be at 13,000 feet. Um, and I said, man, cool. So fast forward seven years later, 20, 2021 now, I'm, I'm halfway through my solo skydiving certification uh, to be able to dive solo. And so this is how the Dream Diver Company came about, is I knew that I was being called to teach, to coach, uh, you know, business professionals and entrepreneurs who know that they were born for something great or something audacious to help them discover their purpose and die for their most audacious dreams to impact the world. And then I get to take them up to 13,000 feet with me, Natalie, and I get to help them destroy their biggest fears and limiting beliefs by having them skydive with me. Uh, and so that is what we do now. We work with people who are like, man, listen, I have all the paychecks, promotions, the awards and the accolades. I've reached the top of the mountain and I'm unfulfilled. I got everything that I could ever want and realized that I did the things that I could do to make money, but I didn't do the thing that I was born to do with my life. And if, is there a way for me to discover how I'm supposed to serve humanity and combine that with a, 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 a model that will allow me to provide for my family and scale my impact so I don't have to do it as a side hustle, so I don't have to do it on nights and weekends, but I can do this with my life. Literally, that's what I do. I help people create purpose-driven empires that will help them shift culture, shape humanity, and serve miracles. And so that's what the Dream Diver Company is. Uh, I love it. Okay, but wait, there is a huge chunk for my listeners from... You know, when you had that epiphany moment, again, another epiphany to now I'm like successful, right? And this is what I do and this is what I love to do. Okay, so I want you to walk through your thought process and how you experienced your first dive. Oh, man. So I did a tandem probably two years ago. Uh, Okay, wait. So uh, two years ago only was that that was the first dive that you did? Yeah. Oh, yes. Remember when I talked about earlier is when the light bulb goes off. Mm-hmm. You still have to walk into the room mm-hmm. 
and explore the room. And so I, it took me about five years from the moment of that watching that YouTube video, right? When I started speaking about what a dream diver was, developing a process that I now teach called the dream diver process, where I teach people how to dream, prepare, dive, and land in their life and mm. in the air, right? So it took time for me to become the person that I was being introduced into. Mm -hmm. My favorite scripture is this, Ephesians 4 and 1. It says, live a life worthy of the calling for which you have been called. And so I had to live a life worthy of what I heard at 2 a.m., right? I went through a process of becoming a documentary filmmaker and birthing a transformational movie studio to make films for big dreamers, right? And then I transitioned into the speaking, coaching, skydiving piece. So there were some things that had to come before that would prepare me to have the voice and the, and the wherewithal and the wisdom that I have now that I didn't have in 2014 when this video showed up in my life. I had to evolve and wow. become this person um, who, you know, and so that's kind of how it, it's kind of how it happened. So it took me until, yeah, maybe two and a wow. half, three years ago to do my first tandem. Uh, I had a coaching client of mine who was like, let's go, we're going. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> and so, so we went and it was the craziest experience of my life. I was at 13,000 feet connected to my skydive instructor. We were going up you know, altitude, right? I can see the altitude rising. And in my heart, I'm, I'm a scared, like I am terrified of heights. And I'm like, why am I not peeing on myself? Why am I not losing my mind right now? And when we dove out of the plane, after about 10 seconds of holy crap, and I caught my breath, I realized the reason why you're not terrified right now is because you've done this skydive in your head and your heart Every day since that moment in 2014 mm. when that skydive video showed up on your computer. You've done this thousands and thousands of times. Now you have just put your life where your mouth has been. Mm -hmm. Right? And so I was literally catching up to everything I had daydreamed and envisioned about. And I tell you what, it blew my mind. And what it showed me is, is that everything that I was talking about in my coaching and on the ground was everything that actually happened in the process. And so now I was like, oh, how did I know all of that before I even yeah, did all of that? Yeah, no kidding. Right? Wow. So it's just, it's just crazy. And so now, you know, like I said, I'm in my student status, becoming a solo skydiver, and I'm working that process and doing coach dives and things that diving out on my own. And I'm like, what am I doing? And landing my own canopies. And, and so it's, it's been an amazing experience. And so- um, yeah. Okay. So I'm super. What does your wife think about all of this? Oh man. Listen, can I tell you guys, for all you out there listening to the Connecting the Better World podcast, my wife is my number one supporter, my number one cheerleader. None of this happens without my wife because while I was becoming Ira Davis, the chief dream diver, my wife was going to work holding down the baseline because she, in 2011, my wife woke up when I was getting kicked off of the drill field as a drill instructor, and I was pending uh, an investigation because of whatever happened. And my wife woke up one morning, Natalie, and she said, we're sitting on the bed, and it just got honest truth. She said, I had a dream last night, and God showed me that we would be well off as a family one day because you would do mm. something great. And Natalie, I looked at her as if she had four eyeballs and a tail. I'm like, I'm like I don't know, babe. I mean, I know you love me, but I am the definition of average. 
the definition of average. And she spoke something into my life mm-hmm. that I always felt, but I could not see for myself based on all the garbage that was stacked on top of me. I'm trying to be a father, a husband, a provider, a man, a Marine. Uh, and she spoke it. And then when everything came to a head in 2014, she said, no, we're going to be all right. And when every time I tried to go out and get a full-time job and God told me no, and I told my wife I was going to do it anyway, she said no, because I know what God showed me for our family and he didn't bring you this far to leave you and we're not going to sacrifice what could be for, you know, an instantaneous gratification to have zeros and commas in the bank and live a comfortable life. We'll sacrifice now so that one day you can actually go out and do something in the world that most people would never even fathom of doing. And so my wife has been a supporter of every, it doesn't mean it didn't come with a little bit of depression on her end on like, okay, when is this going to happen? When is this going to take off? It doesn't mean that she didn't go to the realities of a wife, realities of a spouse. Like, okay, money's a little strange, changes a little funny, right? We can't do the things that we could be able to do if you had a full-time six-figure income, but she stayed in the fight with me. She prayed with me. She supported me. She encouraged me. And then when I said, babe, it's time to start diving out of planes, she shows up and she prays over me mm-hmm. before I go in the air. And um, and so I, I only get to do what I do now from a podcast and speaking standpoint, um, like where we are right now, this is my living room. I went to my wife a year and a half ago and I said, I believe it's time to stop waiting for the phone to ring for people to call us to come on their shows and podcasts, whatever. I believe we need to start broadcasting messages from here, but I got to do it from the living room and I got to throw away the couches. And I don't know <laughs> about you guys, but a, a, but a woman in, in their living room and their couches is a no go. My wife looked at me, Natalie, and she said, I said, babe, I think it's time. She looked at me and she said, it's past time. Ugh. She said, it's past time. Throw the couches out. The next time I want couches is when we step into the house that we prayed for and we envisioned. It's past time. And so oh. that's the kind of wife that I have. So there's no chief dream diver without my wife. I love that. And all you needed was that one person who truly saw you and loved you and spoke that into you and over you, right? And I absolutely love that. And and it's not only your wife that probably is impacted by what you're doing and and by the both of you, it's your kids. And so, you know, I heard your kids being at a young age. So I how how old are they now? Like 10 or 12ish yeah. around yeah. there? My uh, my oldest is 12. He okay. was 5 at the time. My youngest is 10. He was three at the time. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of middle school. I have a 12 and a 16-year-old, uh, a 13 Ooh. and 16, I should say. Sorry. Um, but, oh, my gosh, like they're watching what's going on, too. And that's – I don't know how you were, but, you know, having this like nine-to-five job, right, and, and feeling like, um, you know, I'm not the typical mom that I'll be able to pick them up from school and do all this kind of stuff. And, you know, like I'm working, right? And and when I'm not working, you know, when I and I pick them up and I bring them home or get them to sports, I'm still working after that, right? right and I always right, thought right, that, right. man, I'm just not that typical mom that like loves on my kids or whatever. But on the flip side, I have learned to really embrace the fact that whatever I'm doing, they're watching and they're learning in a different way, no matter what it is. And so I'm Really curious to see, you know, how what do your kids think of, about what you do as well? Uh, do they talk about yeah. it with their friends, you know, or or what 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 goes on in their um in their dialogue? Yeah, that's a great question. So we just did our first live event about three weeks ago here in SoCal. Uh, we had about twenty two people fly in from all over the country at the I'm going to call it the end of the pandemic, right? They flew in from all over the country 
um, for a one day live event where I got to pour into them for half a day, just speaking and encouraging and coaching and equipping them to do the work of their of their life, their purpose and audacious dreams. And then in the afternoon, I got to put a bunch of them on planes and take them up to 13,000 feet. And and they did a tandem skydive uh, with us. And my kids were there. My 10 year old and my 12 year old were there. And they were locked in every step of the way. They were locked in. My 12 year old said, Dad, I, I was I was a little upset because when the event started, my phone, I left it in the car and I thought I was going to be bored. He said, not one minute was I bored. Not one minute was I bored. And we started at 8 a.m. We didn't finish until 6 p.m. And he said, not one minute was I bored. And my kids have seen me build this from nothing. They've seen me build it from nothing. And so I don't I don't get to be the parent who says, go after your dreams. I get to be the parent who has modeled what has mm-hmm. come out of my mouth. I get to be the parent that models it. Um, it's not cliche. And I get to tell them, hey, you can go to college if it helps you pursue your dreams or you can just go out and get to it if you have the wisdom and experience to get to them. If you need to join the military to get to it. But at the end of the day, we're not chasing anything. That's not purpose. And it's not the assignment for your life. Why? Because you've seen daddy do it. Mm. You watch me build it. You watch me when nobody was watching and you got to show up when people paid big bucks to come dive out of a plane with daddy. I want you to know that this works. It's not theory. Mm-hmm. This works. And so that is probably the biggest accomplishment of my life is being able to be an example for my children, mm-hmm. my young African-American men, that you can pursue purpose and dreams without apologizing and you can do it great and with excellence and it better be around the area of helping other people be great and transform their lives. Yes. I love it. I love it. So, you know, that's looking at your, your own family, right? And a lot of us are like, well, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm leaving this legacy for my family. That's all I think I kind of know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, Why is it so important for you to help others then in building their confidence, right? Overcoming their fears and then ultimately diving into their purpose. I mean, why not? Why just not be happy with, oh my gosh, my kids get to see this. And then that's what, uh, that's all I want to do. And I'm done because my, my duty is done. Right. But it really isn't. Yeah. Yeah, For me, no, my purpose is, is, is simple. You know, I, I, I was put here to coach and to empower people who know in their heart that they were born for something bigger, more purposeful, and legendary to impact the world. That's my purpose, right? And I have a gift to be able to help them take that purpose and dream and turn it into a purpose-driven empire that goes out and helps other people change and transform. So literally, I couldn't stop with my family because then that would be a direct uh, opposite of what my purpose is. And so essentially, you know, I have become so great. I had mastered the art of being an unfulfilled nobody. Did you hear what I said? I had mastered the art of being an unfulfilled nobody. And so now I am on a mission, a crusade to rescue people who are stuck just like I was, like people who are walking around in the walking dead, thinking that because they can pay Verizon on time or because they can buy that new boat or that third vacation this year, that they got it all under wraps. But the truth is, is that most people walking this earth, 300 million people, according to the World Health Organization, are living in depression. Mm. Um, and I believe that's because people don't know what they were born and called to do, right? Your, your vocation, you'll spend more time in your area of vocation than you do anywhere else in your life. Mm-hmm. You're more married to what you do for a living than you are to your own spouse. It is just factual. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. You will spend more minutes and seconds of your life working than you will with anything else. If you're not doing what you were called to do, which should be serving other people the way that you were called to, uh, then you're literally killing yourself. And so for me, I couldn't stop with just my family because I know that I have been called to be that lifeguard, if you will, for the person who was stuck like me behind a prestigious job with the money coming in. And when everybody looked and said, oh, he's a Marine. My son is a Marine. My husband is a Marine. My dad is a Marine. I could have stopped there, right? But I knew prestige was not purpose. There's a difference. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. So let's dive a little bit deeper into what do you do? Because I know you do some one-on-one coaching that you talked about. I love yep. the um, the documentaries, right? And being able to um, dive into there. And then you've got the podcast and these yep. events, right? These events that, um, that you're calling is your, what's your dream, right? Is that what the events are called? Yep. Yeah. What's your yeah. dream live? So talk about some of these things that, you know, if people are interested in getting involved with what you do, um, hiring you on as a coach, being part of the event and, and attending the event, you know, what, what's coming up? Yeah, I love it. So first of all, for, for all the listeners out there, I do a power coaching call every Monday morning for aspiring world changers. It's called Miracle Mondays, where uh, every Monday morning, 630 a.m. on the West Coast, 9.30 a.m. on the East Coast. And if you're around the world, you're going to have to Google what time that translates into. <laughs> but I do I do a free keynote every Monday morning, followed by live Q&A about your purpose, your dream. And maybe if you're a purpose-driven entrepreneur, you can ask those questions as well. Well, I just pour into you every single week on a Zoom call in a group setting where we create community. Okay, so that's absolutely out there. You can get that on my website, www.dreamdiver.co, super free 99. Okay, um, but, you know, one of the things that we are about to roll out, Nicole, I'm super excited, is What's Your Dream Live, which is going to be a, a four-day live event um, that on the front end is going to have about a 30-day, 30, 30 to 60-day coaching program built into the front end of this. We're going to help you discover your purpose, uh, destroy your biggest fears and limiting beliefs, and die for your most audacious, excuse me, and unlock your most audacious dreams uh, so that when you walk away from this event and from this coaching program, you will literally be able to come back into your regular life and say, I know who I am, mm-hmm. what I was born to do, and what I should be doing with my life. Whether that's purpose-driven entrepreneurship, creating something world-changing, or purpose-driven entrepreneurship, joining something that's world-changing and mm-hmm. being a pioneer from within a bigger dream that's touching people's lives. So that's what we're working on. If you want more info on that, Definitely sign up for our email list. We are taking this thing to a whole nother level. And so we're going to be pumping out some more information as the summertime arises. And uh, for those of you who are like, hey, listen, I can't wait for the event. That's too far away. And you're like, I need you in my life now. Well, I do something called the Dream Diver Apprenticeship, which is my deepest level coaching. It's a one-on-one program where for six months, you become a protege of mine. And everything that I would do in a group setting or in a live setting is literally me and you, kneecap to kneecap. The first day you fly out to me in California, we go to 13,000 feet, we dive out of a plane together, and then we spend the rest of the day, you and I, kneecap to kneecap, going deep, and then everything else is virtual. And I just uh, open you up, pull the great things out of you, show you you in the reflection of my eyeballs, and then we take all of that and we turn that into something magnificent so you don't have to choose between you know, uh, your livelihood and your purpose. Uh, so, so those are things that we have going on. 
Oh man, that is exciting. And so for people who have like this urge, like I think I've been made for something bigger, right? But I don't know yeah. what it is. This would be perfect, right? Would be some of the different things that you're doing. Um, we're going to have all of your contact info in our show notes as well. So it'll be easy to just click on and get connected to Ira. Um, but that is amazing. Um, so, you know, do you have stories that you've experienced that may have touched your heart and is one of the reasons why you continue to give back to others like this? It's mm, a great question. Um, I mean, I already know one just with our dear friend, yeah, Mary. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's exactly who, that's exactly who I'm going to talk about, you know, uh, and you may know a little bit more than I have. Um, but yeah, we, we had a young lady who uh, heard me on clubhouse and uh, she came out to our live event that we did a few weeks ago called Dare to Dream Bigger. And before Mary showed up, literally, she was afraid of her own shadow. Uh, she had this book in her heart that she had been writing for years, didn't have the courage or the support to execute and get this thing out of her heart, off the paper, and to where it needed to go to be published and put out into the world. Mary came afraid of her shadow. She was the first one there. I talked to my people at the registration table. She was the first one there at the event. And when she got up on that plane at 13,000 feet, she told me when she hit the ground, she said, all the fear that I've ever felt in my life went away because I knew that this was the moment that everything was going to change for me. Mm -hmm. She said so many times I was on the brink of, you know, maybe not wanting to wake up the next day in my life. That's how things, how bad things have gotten in the past. Nobody saw me. Nobody believed in me. I didn't believe in myself. She said, but your coaching, your support, your teaching, and your consistency, now I feel like I can do anything on this earth that is put in front of me. And so for me, as, as a, a man who has lost himself, to see people now begin to wake up and realize who they are. We're talking about people who are 30 years old, 20 years old. 50 years old, 60 years old, and in a matter of weeks, recognize who they are. And they spent their whole life miserable and lost and searching. Like there's no, like you couldn't pay me enough for what I do. It's priceless. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the thing that just keeps me inspired to keep going harder, to keep creating, to keep working, and to keep really just loving people back to life. Uh, because what we are taught is to chase the things instead of pursuing the thing that was already put in you. Mm. Um, and so, you know, Mary's story is just one of many that is near and dear to my heart. Just watching her transform right in front of my eyes. And when she hit the ground and she ran over to me, she gave me the biggest hug and almost just knocked me over. <laughs> um, but it was a testament. It was a testament to the work that had been done in my own life mm. over the last seven years from the moment the light bulb went off to the moment that I stepped into the room, right? If I had not done the work, and I'm talking to those of you listening today, if you don't do the work, just imagine the person on the other, on the other side of your impact or transformation whose lives won't be blessed because you're not stepping into the miracle of who you were created to be. Yes. Somebody somewhere is counting on you. Somebody somewhere is counting on you to step into your assignment. They're wait Somebody in a remote village is crying tears right now because your book hasn't been published because your enterprise hasn't been created there's a kid right now who's hungry because you're so afraid of your own shadow or afraid of what other people are going to think 
if you have to walk away from your great executive position to start an organization that could feed children in villages who would just die to have a grain of corn. Like I, if you hear nothing else today, somebody's counting on you. Somebody's counting on you to be who you were called to be to serve people on this earth. What are you going to do with this time in your life? Are you going to talk about it? Are you going to dream about it? Or are you going to become a dream diver? Somebody who dreams big, envisions big, but then the diver piece executes. Yes. Excellence. Oh, you said so many amazing things. Um, I want to I want to head back and then end up being where you are right now with what you're saying, because it's so powerful. But some of the things, the words that you said to Mary before she jumped out of the plane, because she was really, really scared. Right. And, and she tandemed. Right. But I remember her telling me that her story. She was worried about who she was. And the one thing that you said that grounded her without even her jumping out of the plane yet was who's going to take that from you? Nobody can take away your story. It is time to own it. And off she went, right? And so it was It was literally those words that you told her that gave her that power and grounded her before she even stepped out of that plane. And then, you know, what you talked about is you're saying about it's something that's already in you, right? And and for people to really understand that, you know, when you are successful, it's the de- definition of success. Like you said, um, are you growing this empire? Are you growing this business? Are you doing, are you getting your degree so that you can be successful because success looks like financial success to you, right? Or does it mean that you have all the accolades and all the degrees and the titles or whatever it is? It it's something that starts within you and it, it was always there and you just have to kind of lean into it and find it. Right. And then and and what you do is that's exactly what I told was I was told as well was who's waiting on you to arrive. If you go down, the dream doesn't happen and somebody is waiting for you to arrive. Those were the exact words that I was told when I kept denying, like, I'm just this. I'm just that. There's no way I could possibly do this or I can't be doing that. Right. And I mean, it is such a different outlook. And I'm just sitting here, you know, listening to you, taking it all in, watching you with your passion and everything and just think, this is why like minded people gravitate toward each other because we're speaking the same language, you know, and yeah. I love what you just said. I love how you speak the life into people with love. And I also kind of giggled inside too, because, you know, being a drill um, sergeant and, and really going over the top, like you said, and you got almost in trouble or you got in trouble for it, you said. Um, But now to speak that same life and that passion and that strength into people with the love, because as a drill sergeant, I'm sure I'm a tiger mom. So I kind of know what you're talking about. (laughs) I know what sergeant at all, but I'm kind of like that at home. But at the same time to do it with love, which is so different. I mean, you've got the skills to get people to do what they need to get done because you can see the future and you can see what they're, what they're, um, you know, being released to be able to become. But now you're doing it with love because you see a, a way bigger picture for them and you've experienced it yourself as well. So it's truly amazing. I can't even imagine the transformation that you get to see. Um, you know, on a daily basis with some of the people that you work with. But that must be so, so, so exciting to see. Um, Wow, that is amazing. Amazing. Um, So you've already kind of went into typically the last question that I I ask people, but I'm going to ask you just in case you have something else to add, because this has been such a great, great episode. But what is one piece of advice that you can give my listeners um, that they can do themselves just to make this world a better place? Yeah, I love it. 
I'll give you two, okay, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, free 99, I'll give you two. Number <laughs> one is a quote that I live by um, that was inspired by this year I was looking at the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And the phrase just hit me and rang true about purpose. Uh, and I wrote it down so quick. And this is something that I live by and I share with everybody. If you wouldn't die for it, then you shouldn't live for it either. I'm going to say that again. If you're doing something that you wouldn't die for, then you shouldn't live for it either. That is the number one test if you are living a life of purpose or if you're chasing something that has no inherent value. Because a lot of people will, they like to mix words like passion and purpose, which are not the same. They like to mix words and get people, if you like follow your why and like all of these different things, but there's a big difference between the thing that you are willing to die for and the thing that you are willing to show up for because there's a mm-hmm. check associated to it. And I, want, I don't want people to get confused. Just because it's purpose does not mean that you need to be homeless or begging. Like most of you are smart enough to know how to apply a business model to your purpose of service, right? So it doesn't mean you have to sacrifice it all financially to do what you were called to do to serve other people. But if you're not willing to show up and do it for free, when people ridicule you, talk about you, stab you in the back, shut doors in your face, then it's not purpose. Something else. And that's up to you to figure out what it is. But it's not purpose. Don't confuse the two. Mm. Number two, I'll give you this. It's an acronym called DREAM. D-R-E-A-M. Number one, the D stands for do something bigger than yourself. I don't care where you are in your life. If it doesn't make you peel on yourself, run. If it's safe, run. Run in the direction of something that's bigger than you. It will keep you sharp. It will keep you excited. It will keep you inspired. It will keep you moving towards something that will change people's lives. Number two, the R. I'm a man of faith, so rely on God. I don't know what that means for you out there, but the R in the word dream for me is rely on God, right? Uh, E, endure the process. Uh, I just told you it took me seven years to become this man, right? Not seven days, not seven minutes, not because I wanted it, but because I worked for it, I prayed for it, I worshiped for it, and I went out and executed. If you're willing to endure the process, imagine what can happen in your life. The A in dream stands for take massive action, right? The world doesn't need another dreamer. We need dream divers, people who are going to do something audacious with their life, like do it, not talk about it, right? And then the M, make your time on earth count, right? You only get one of these things. There are no do-overs, Make this life count. So D R E A M dream. All right. So that's oh, that's what I'm man. Oh my gosh. I love it. Ira, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure to get to know you, to be able to talk about what you do. Um, you're so inspiration inspirational. Um, and I am excited to continue to watch your journey um now that we're connected and to yes. really get other people connected to you as well that I can see would just benefit from uh, what you speak into them, over them, and then how you teach them to really dive for their dreams. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Listen, to all the listeners, if you're not following Natalie on all platforms, you're wrong. This young lady is going to lead you into the next evolution of your life, of serving other people, of connecting a better world, right? So whatever it is, whether it's her YouTube or Instagram or Facebook, Make sure you are connected. She has something that's brewing in her and it's going to continue to grow 
and it's going to continue to evolve. So make sure that you have all your notifications on. And Natalie, thank you for being who you are, why you are, where you are, when you are. And I'm so proud to know you and just thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so, so, so much. I will receive everything that you said. And um, I'm just so glad connected to you now and forever. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World. And thank you, NOCO FM, for supporting this show. If you haven't heard, NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This has been a production of Loudspeaker Networks. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.fm.